All right. I've, I've been doing a terrible job at getting behind the scenes crap, so. <laughs> doing another one. Corey Bennett over oh, yeah. there. Welcome. Welcome to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast, where we cover anything related to behavior change that will increase your long-term wellness and happiness. And now, here are your hosts, personal trainer and RNs, Matt and Jenna Lane. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are both registered nurses. I'm a personal trainer. This podcast is all about implementing behavior change for your long-term wellness and happiness. And today I am quadruply fired up to have a guest back on. He was on episode 11, Mr. Corey Bennett, the probably one of the most intelligent people I know in fitness. I'm now looking at this guy as a scholar of fitness. He, If you did not listen to episode 11, I highly encourage you to go listen to it. It sort of gives you the backstory of who he is, how he is, and our relationship he was my professor as he refuses to accept that term. Um, I did a prep course for my personal training certification. He, he led that class and I just learned so much. It sparked so many more ideas, showed me so much creativity. And I just respect this man with every bit of me because he continues to educate himself. And today he's actually presenting something that he's created that I just point blank want to plug it because I think it has so much value uh, for personal trainers trying to run their business, but I think this can apply also to people uh, that aren't doing personal training, obviously specifically towards trainers, but it can do both. Jenna, how you feeling over here? Good. Yeah. That was a, it's a hell of an intro, right? Yeah, it yeah, really was. Corey, Corey, um, say hello to the peeps again. How's it going, everybody? Great to be back on. Glad to have you back, man. It's, uh, it's, it's always an honor to have you on, seriously. Um, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that yada yada, you can also click on the link down below is that we'd have this in a video version on the YouTube BTYE podcast channel. So at the top of every show, we hit you with our gratitude point. This gratitude point is made to shift your perspective, whether it's something large, whether it's something small, uh, something to pull you out of the dumps. If you think that your world is just crashing around you, it's not as bad as you think. If you can pull one of these perspective pieces and Jenna, you're going first. What All you right. got? I've got lots to be grateful for. Yes, indeed. Um, I think something that just immediately comes to mind is we're getting into better weather to be outside and it's finally warm enough. It's actually more than warm enough here in sunny Florida mm -hmm. to sit outside this morning and drink my coffee and not be cold. And it's that like the days are getting longer and it's my favorite time of year. That's what yep. I'm grateful for. Absolutely. I'm gonna put you on the spot, brother. What you got? That's, that's totally fine with me. Um, this is going to be pretty cliche as a fitness guy. I am grateful for a fitness object. I'm, okay. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the kettlebell. I'm good with that. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Why? Here's the outside of the box reason why. Um, my girlfriend bought me one two Christmases ago, and I got to toying around with it. And as of recently, this has brought us closer together because she has expressed some interest to be able to start playing around with it. And now we could actually work out very um, uh, cohesively. Let's put it like that. We were just talking about how we, Jenna and I, can't do that at all. So maybe we need to get a kettlebell. <laughs> hey, listen, the, the way that I looked at it is you take something that you're not good at and that you both are pretty much foreign to, and let's both learn about it. Let's both struggle with it together. Makes and sense. Get better at it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, again, diving into today's. Oh, I didn't give well, you wait, my. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. You didn't oh, do you, a gratitude. Yeah, my yeah. bad. My bad. Sorry. Sidetracked. So, my gratitude point is actually going for a walk, like the ability to go for a walk. I started, started, I'm trying to get back in my positivity snowball and, um, going for a walk, the ability to do that, or actually going for a skate. <laughs> if you're a nerd like me, uh, I'll go rollerblading. Can't even lie. Cause that's fun for me, but just the ability to, to go out when I want to, I, I know that not everybody in the world has that ability. It's not across the board. So, um, it does so much for my brain being in that sunlight and uh, I'm just, I'm grateful for it. It's something small, but I'm glad. Yeah. I like it. 
now getting into the topic, um, Corey, first of all, just a quick little rundown, paint the picture. If they did not listen to episode 11, why are you qualified to be here? And, right. and then dive into what we're talking about. Right. So, so I am a, a fitness junkie by nature. Um, but by education, I do hold a fair amount of credentials to be able to, to speak on topics related to health, fitness, and somewhat nutrition, I'll say. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in exercise science. My master's degree was in exercise physiology. Um, I was studying in grad school the effects of high-intensity interval training on the human body and its re results on, on how it changes our metrics, um, whether you're looking at... Uh, blood pressure, lipid profiles, um, VO2 max, things of that nature. So I did a pretty extensive bout of research with that in addition to um, competing as a competitive power lifter um, while all at the same time. Aside from the, the more formal certi certifications, you know I'm a certified personal trainer by heart, um, but I've gone on to elevate myself in different realms. Uh, I've attained a uh, exercise physiologist certification through the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, I've gone on to get a nutrition coaching certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, I can't really do anything with it because in the state of Florida, there is very, very strict scope of practice. But very. Um, in other states like the Northeast and California, those states have pretty loose regulations when it comes to that. So okay. I, I kind of use that as a, an online platform. Cool. Um, I'm currently working on collaborating with some people to get in the realms of kettlebell certification. Now that I mentioned that that's something that I've okay. really, really honed in on as a new skill. Got it. Okay. So yeah, a big dummy that we have on the line here for sure. <laughs> um, well, and that, that sort of, again, leads into the topic. Uh, I, I, Corey and I've been talking since he was on episode 11 about what else could we get him on here for? Cause he's just a plethora of information and brings so much value. He did day one for me when I was getting to know him in class and, um, he fired back with, well, I'm doing a presentation at like a major conference. So, I mean, I could talk about that. And I was like, uh, yeah. And <laughs> so again, this, this goes out to any personal trainers that are listening, but I think also there are some pieces that you can pull if you're just a business owner. Um, so explain behind, like behind the scenes of what that actually means for you, your business and, you know, basically what you told me. Right. So, so in my private practice, I'm a, a private trainer. I call it a private fitness coach. I feel like personal trainer has been a very watered down term um, in the past. And when you add the whole private nature of things to it, people get a little bit more value to that. Um, my, my day job is working for a top 10 university in a fitness program, managing up to 40 trainers at a time. So um, what I wanted to do was I proposed this topic to the National Academy of Sports Medicine. They have what's called the NASM Optima Conference. It's their annual personal trainers and fitness instructors conference where everybody gathers. There's over 500 people that gather yearly to be able to go to this conference and learn from other professionals from around the industry. So um, from the management side of things, I wanted to be able to help people in a way that would open their eyes to things that they probably wouldn't think about while they're going through prep courses. Like if you can think back to when you were going through the prep course when I was teaching you, um, there was a lot of things that even then I didn't know about. But then okay. fresh trainers coming out, there's so many different pieces that are missed and it's, it's very easy to get frustrated as a new certified trainer or instructor that um, is, is very simple in nature. And, th and that's what I've outlined. So my proposal to this, this uh, conference organization, the, the title of the presentation is called Head Down, Focus Up. Um, and it's basically outlining 10 tips for any newly certified fitness professional. Um, the title has certified trainers, but it honestly could be to any fitness professional. And like you mentioned before, this could uh, be translated to different types of business as well, because there are some pretty universal components to it. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I don't know what the best way for you to present this is. Again, I, I told you off <laughs> off this mic that, you know, if you just wanted to literally run through it, I mean, I just, I looked through it and I thought it was just so much value. I don't know if you wanted to do some give and take. I mean, whatever you want to do is totally fine. Um, so, I mean, fire away, good sir. Sure. Uh, let me just briefly read the description. This sure. will be for the personal trainers and the fitness pros or enthusiasts li listening. Um, so it goes like this. The journey of becoming a personal trainer is both educational, exciting, and empowering. 
Starting out as a newly certified trainer or instructor can be very discouraging if you're not seeing the flow of service that you wish to provide. This power hour session will cover 10 important tips that all new personal trainers or fitness instructors can consider to maximize their exposure and create a successful service. So what I'm hoping to get out of this is to be able to show that these individuals can take any one of these 10 tips and implement them in a way that could benefit their services. So they're not all required. If you can get all of them, it would be most beneficial to you. But um, some people have weaknesses in different areas and they may not even require all of them. Okay. That makes total sense. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, do it. Fire away, bro. Great. So uh, tip number one is self-investment. So as somebody who's going through a prep course or any type of education, think about just general college students going to college to be able to get a degree to learn some sort of skill or an individual going to a trade school to be able to learn some sort of skill to go into the workforce. This is a self-investment that you're giving yourself to be able to be relevant in a career field. In our case, it's fitness. It's being a personal trainer. It's being able to be the expert in the room to help people with their approach to how they are being physically active. Um, I will say that this self-investment piece is more than just getting one piece of education. Now, one of the biggest things that I'll encourage everybody to do is don't let it stop at your bachelor's degree. I was a little bit overachieving and went on and got a master's and got other certifications and now I have a laundry list of things. That's not always necessary for most people, but diversify your skill set because that's what makes you valuable. That's the big take home message with that number one tip right there is if you're a fitness professional and you have one skill set, like being a personal trainer, what are the other things that are going to set you aside from all of the other trainers that are polluted in this fitness industry? You know, it's very saturated. Very. Now, do you think that that is, you think that self, self-investment, do you think that is primarily further education? It could be. Yeah. What, uh, what other, because that's the first thing that pops to my mind. What else in your head when you were making this, like what else falls in line with self, you know, self-investment? Yeah. So there's two ways that I look at it. There's a financial component to it. And then there's a, or maybe a financial investment and a non-financial investment. Okay. The, the financial investment would be going on and saying, okay, I need to get more certifications. I need to get a higher degree. I need to go do X, Y, and Z workshop, seminar, you name it. The non-financial way is to be able to identify your key population, okay? This is specific to trainers, right? Who are the people that you are going to serve? Am I the person that's going to help people that have a pre-existing condition? Am I the person that's going to help people that want to lose weight? Am I the person that's going to be the athlete specialist, right? Am I the person that's going to be training power lifters? Or am I the person that's just the general health and wellness person that could accommodate a wide variety? You know, I recommend that people try and find their what, because that's what's going to really um, make them valuable is that you're a specialist in this one area. Being a jack of all trades may not always be the best thing. Have you seen, have you seen any trainers get almost too much education to where it becomes then a paralysis state? Like if I just get this next thing, then I can start. If I just get that thing, then I can, you know, continue to do that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, and far often than not, most of those people that get all of those credentials and whatnot, they end up in academia. You know, they end up teaching. They end up becoming educators. Okay, okay. You know, it's it's a good thing, but it also takes you takes you away from doing what you started or you what you wanted to do when you started. Yep, exactly. You know? Because yep. then you become so overly qualified, then it's like, wow, I have all these certs. I'm not going to use them all on one client. Now I need to go share this knowledge with the groups of people. Yep. That's kind of where I ended up at. But then I started to dial it back because I really wanted to get back into one-on-one training. And that's where I'm at now. Okay. That, and that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So you, you really have to be um, very strategic in the way that you pick and choose what types of education you're going to get yourself because it's it, it could make or break the level of investment that you're able to put towards the people that you're trying to serve. It makes total sense because, I mean, it's almost like you get to a point where you're it's almost like you're so theoretical that you're not practicing, you know, you get away from the nitty gritty and what's real in, instead of just the books, you know, not to take away from the books, but yeah, I, I, you, I totally you make, agree. you make a very, very, very important point. Um, people get so book smart to the point where they don't put it into practice. And if they don't practice, 
how are they going to be able to say that they know these skills? It's yep. a practical environment that we are working in. You know, if you don't have the hands-on skill set to say that like, I've worked with X amount of people and I've achieved this amount of results with all of these people, then your credentials don't mean anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can have the best programming in the world, but if you're not, if you're not getting the results from it, if you're not implementing it, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Now, something I will say to that before we move on to the next point is sure. you don't you don't have to have a hundred clients or more to be a successful trainer, right? You could have five to ten clients, and as long as you get them very positive results, yep, that is what makes you a valuable trainer. Yep, right. Yep. Being able to make sure that you're providing results to people because that's what clients are coming to you for. A thousand percent. You're, I mean, you're there to to help them with uh, something that they're wanting to accomplish. Yeah. Thousand percent. So, so that's going to segue actually right into our next point, which is opportunities. So, <clears throat> one of the things that's really good early on when you get into this world of being a trainer or a fitness instructor is to spread yourself a little thin at first because you want to be able to experience different types of things, find out what you work best in, right? Believe it or not, when I started in my first fitness job, I was a group fitness instructor. Mm. Okay. Think like your typical aerobics instructor using a step and leading a group of like 20, probably heavily based women in the class. Like right. it, was, it was primarily women in the class. Yeah. Okay. If you were to meet me firsthand, you probably wouldn't have that perception of me sure. as a, a fitness professional. You think, oh, you're probably a personal trainer. You know how to work with, you name it. Yeah. Like athletes, bodybuilders, right. whatever. Um, so, so what I learned from that was that I actually had a skill that I was unaware of, you know, being able to train and work with large groups of people. It was something that kind of set me outside my comfort zone a little bit, but, um, I, I seized that opportunity because there was no opportunities in personal training yet available. Right. Cause in the town that I was living in at the time, this was when I was an undergrad up in New Jersey. Um, there, there wasn't. Uh, a lot of gyms in the local area that was near my school. There was only the rec center, which is where I ended up becoming a personal trainer for the first time. And then even there, I only had a couple clients before I moved on privately. So my recommendation is to be able to seek out opportunities. And, and this is depending on where you live too, because in close proximity, if you're in a small town or a big city, the, the opportunities are going to be limited depending where you are. If you're in a big city, there's plenty of uh, pop-up studios and commercial gyms and health clubs and racket clubs and things like that where you can get involved. That's so, I mean, you are so spot on with that. And I can attest to that because I ran a, a, a I was, I did group fitness for a little while and it was a silver sneakers course, you know, and it was, so it was, it was the uh, older population, but and I didn't think that that would be my thing. I didn't think I would really enjoy it, but I was like, you know what? I want to try it. I want to, I want to touch whoever I can. And it was so friggin' fun. It was so cool. Yeah. You know, it, I'll be honest with you. That demographic was so fun because their last concern was what they looked like. They just wanted to move. They were work, truly working on health and it was so cool. Like I, I just like, I lit up when you said that because it made me think of that. And I never, ever would have thought I would have wanted to do that, but that was so rewarding. So you write a skill set that you didn't realize you'd have. There's something gratifying about being able to serve people who are not all in it for a performance metric or a physical appearance goal. Yep. You know, people who just want to be active and people who want to have fun are going to be your most exciting clients. Yep. You know, yep. Because to be, to be fairly honest, when you're working with athletes or people who have like a strength goal or a physique goal, the programs that you write as a trainer are, are fairly boring, to be honest. It's like we do this for this amount of reps. Yep. We take this exact rest time and then we move on to the next thing. Yep. It's it's very let's move to the next step. Yep. A, a thousand percent. You know that there's such I think there's so much more creativity that you have to have for especially group fitness. But for someone that is not, like you said, after that um, aesthetic goal or whatever, you know, having that creativity, they're there to have fun. So it's more challenging. But being creative was just so key. And I think also, of course, there's a different aspect of one-on-one -on -one online and then also a commanding a group, you know, making sure, making sure you have eyes on all of those people, you know, are all of them engaging. So it's just such a different piece. Um, and if you are a trainer and you are listening, I highly, highly encourage you to at least try it, even if you don't think you would like it. 
Yeah, definitely diversify your experiences. You know, you never know what type of people you're going to like working with until you do. Yep. Every single personal trainer wants to start training athletes right away when they start, you know, but to be completely honest, athletes are pretty difficult to work with. You may be fairly surprised when you first work with that very first athlete. So, you know, keep your mind open. Why do you think that is? Because I have not dealt, I have not worked with athletes. That's great. You know, if you worked with people who are non-athletes, then I think the, the idea is that most people who come from a sports background or have been active in sports, whether they actually played at a competitive level or a recreational yeah. level, you know, they're like, oh, these are the people that I want to work with because they're competent. They want to be uh, able okay. to work with people who have competence sure. already. That you know, sense. so it's, it's kind of like cutting a corner, whereas like working with a newcomer for the first time, you know, you're, you're able to educate them. You're able to teach them about themselves. Yeah. And that's the part of being a personal trainer that people don't realize when they first start. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes sense. That makes sense as to why you say that about athletes. And like, do you think it's more difficult to work with athletes because maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they think they know more or they feel more superior uh, there there could be i would i would kind of relate that's like an ego component there okay. could be something like that so that hasn't been like the primary I, thing of why no okay. no 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 i think it's because athletes are already conditioned okay so so they're harder to work with because you have to now elevate there you go. their conditioning okay yeah you know, that's the hard part you know being able to take them from where they're currently at and whatever sport that they're playing yeah. be able to improve that that makes you sense. have to be able to navigate that as a trainer to figure that out and sometimes it, it takes very very intricate measures yeah that makes total sense yeah okay yeah i think that would also in, include quite a bit of creativity absolutely yep. because you have to create a new stimulus and that's why but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole that's for another <laughs> that's for another talk where we talk about performance well we can do it um oh yeah by the way i, I you know, I think even the last time you were on, I had just started doing powerlifting and, um, still I've seen on your Instagram. Yeah. And I, um, I taken a little step back. I, uh, did have an injury. We talked about that on, on the podcast. You know, you, do you think that it's an inherent thing to just get injured if you, but so, but it's been really eye opening. I'm actually glad. I'm glad that I did because it did made you tweak me something. Yeah. Yeah. Herniated disc. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have an old injury though. This is not a brand new acute injury. I have an old C6 fracture way back in the day. I went and saw a neurosurgeon and said, yeah, it's herniated, but it's, you know, there's really no measures to be taken. Um, you know, it's since subsided. I have no pain, you know, but this was a true test for me because like you said in that previous podcast, it's always a fear. It's always a right. what if, and I came to that what if and my option was walk away from it completely or work through it and try to become better. And that's, that's my intention. So anyway, yeah, I had Matt's little ADD moment there. You didn't no, push that's, the button. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking to that and we'll get back on track in a second, sure. but there's a Netflix documentary out right now about West side barbell. I watched if it. You, if you, I was going to say, you have to watch that because those guys yeah. put their body through yeah. hell and, <laughs> exactly. and you would be surprised. Yeah. Oh yeah. My little herniated disc was nothing in comparison to some of the injuries. And, you know, I was talking, I was talking to my trainer about that and, you know, yes, this is an injury, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, this ain't nothing. It's a little road bump, you know? Right. So. So to, to get us back on track yeah, real for sure. quick, I'm going to, I'm going to combine number three and four together. Okay. I don't know if you have the list in front of you, but I got to me here. So vision is number three, and then laser focus is number four. Vision is my recommendation to create a long-term goal. You think of people talking about like, oh, I'm going to create this three to five-year plan and work towards that. But as a trainer, you may not know what that is initially. So you have to work through those diverse experiences when you spread yourself thin to be able to figure out what that why is going to be. So once you identify that, then create your plan. Okay, yeah. this is the population that I'm going to serve. This is the way that I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to be working privately or I'm going to be working for a company or I'll be working uh, with a partner, something along those lines. And then the laser focus piece comes into play because it's very, very, very easy to get complacent when you're a personal trainer. You think, oh, this isn't a good return on my investment. I spent all this money to get a certification. I'm not seeing the results that I want. But as long as you stay persistent with your, your efforts to find clients and serve people and uh, fulfill your why, 
then that's what's going to be able to help you stay in the fast lane of being a personal trainer because you could have a client for a couple sessions and before you know it, they're gone. Or you can actually give them some quality effort, don't get complacent, and then they end up becoming your regular that sticks with you for a long period of time. Yep. Uh, Yeah. A a thousand percent. And that's, so I was actually looking at the list and I'll, I'll wait for that point that I was going to make, but yeah, I fully agree with you. The long term, And do you think that it's okay for your vision to change? Let's say you are three years down the road, five years down the road, you get to that point and you're like, Oh man, this isn't what I think it, what it was supposed to be. What do you think about that vision changing? I think it can, and you should be able to give yourself flexibility to do so. Because if you're realizing that this isn't working, working out, this initial goal isn't working out, and you have an idea of what you can do to change it, then make those changes and try and make them as swiftly as possible. Because if you take it slow, and you don't move towards the new goal, then you're going to get caught in a stagnant position where you're not going to be having any progress. Let me ask you this, and I'm, gonna, I'm really pressing you here, but when do you feel like it's appropriate to change that vision? You know, because I think some people would be like, well, crap, I said I had this five-year plan and I'm not sticking to it. Like, how do I know I'm not being impulsive? Like, what would you say to that if somebody's like, how do I know when it's the right time to change the vision? I would say there's two routes. And the first route is the one that you're mentioning. So this five-year plan isn't working out. Okay. The first thought that you have that this isn't working out, you better start putting your ducks in a row to be able to figure out what that next step is. All right, because I think if you wait too long, it'll start to snowball. And then before you know it, you have a lot more work on your hands to be able to make up for it than you do um, Is it instead of um, making the decision right away. If you wait too long, you could have started, let's say I waited six months to make a change. You know, you could have started that first month and then you've already been on the path six months later down the road towards yeah. your new goal. Yeah. You know, the other side to that is if you do have a fair amount of success right? Let's say you get to that five-year point and you're like, damn, I've hit my goal. Now it's time to elevate. All right. What is the next step that you're going to take to be able to say, okay, I've gotten to the point that I've reached my goal. All right. Now I want to be able to make it to my next step. So what is that going to be? Do you pivot and you make a new change of your service? Do you try to get more clients in the door or more uh, people served per week, per day, per month, whatever the case is? You know, how does that work for you and how are you going to elevate what you're currently doing? Okay. Okay. In my head where that sort of played out, which I fully agree, fully agree with what you're saying in my head, what played out was I, I trained a f- just a handful of people in bodybuilding and cause that's how I started. That's what I knew the most. And I was doing it and I was unhappy with it. Like when I, I truly hit that point where I was like, I am not enjoying this. Um, and that was sort of my point where I pivoted away and was like, I don't, I, I'm not going to be the person that trains people uh, to compete. Well, first of all, I've only, you know, pretty much competed once. It's, I don't think I'm even a credi- credible source to do competitions, but it wasn't my interest. <clears throat> I knew that that wasn't my demographic. And for me, that, that was a long way to put that I knew that I was unhappy in that realm. And so that's when I knew it was time for me to change my vision. Right. That's a very valuable point too. And we touched on that. If you look back to the beginning of the notes, we have a place where you identify who you want to serve True. and then you focus on that. This is where I was talking about before becoming a jack of all trades and and being able to serve all people instead of a specific subgroup is where most trainers get stagnant and complacent because then they're like, Oh, I need to, I need to put my message towards this people. I need to put my message towards this people and or these people. And, before you know it, you're taking on all these clients. They all have different types of goals, and then you're unable to be organized in your own mind as you create those programs for them. Yep, and that's you know pretty much what you explained. That's it's pretty much you know niching down. You know, and I think for a lot of people, that's difficult to niche down, and, and that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. The next point on here, um, if you're ready to move on. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Next point on here is hustle. Mm-hmm. So as as a brand new trainer, hustle is required. It is not something that you can do without you have to be able to get your face out there get in front of people and figure out what's going to get you your first batch of clients right so whether this is part of pairing it with our other points of going out to a gym or spreading yourself thin in terms of your experiences do it um some of this might require you to put some of your own finances down whether it's purchasing business cards putting out flyers um, email marketing building a website things of those 
things of that nature. Um, all of those things down the road are going to be able to be elevated and built upon to where you have optimal sources for you to market your service, right? So when I first started as a trainer, one of the things that I was a big place that I was, I was messing up at is I didn't have business cards to give out. Yeah. You know, that's like a, a fundamental thing for any type of personal trainer. Cause if you look at it, we're, we're business people yep. to some extent. Yep. We may be fitness experts, but we are also businessmen trying to make a living on what we're doing. Yep. So if you can't give a card to somebody and be like, here, this is where you can contact me at. How are you going to be able to do that? Yeah. Do you feel like you underestimated your initial costs whenever you got into it or, and this might be, you know, for that last point that you have on number 10. Um, but do you feel like you underestimated your initial costs and what it was going to take? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how much business cards cost. Yep. I didn't know who to go get my business cards from. I didn't know where to get flyers made. Yeah. A lot of this stuff, I found myself doing it, um, like on a, like a web engine. Yeah. Right. You know, or, um, uh, a marketing generator. I yep. used a, a website called Canva.com. Yep. You know, I, I, I made my own. I tried to get a little creative with it. You know, I'm not the most creative mind, but, you know, I did what I could, you know, and, and there's a cost that's associated with that time and yeah. money. Yeah. Now, do, do you think you underestimated the amount of hustle that it took initially? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I 100, fully. 100, yep. 100%. Yep. Because I thought I was just going to get certified. I'd have the little, three letter credential at the end of my name, I'd be like, okay, I'm Corey Bennett, CPT, come work with me. And people yep. would just flock. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't work like that. No, it does not. It I, does not work like that. I learned that abruptly myself because I, I felt the exact same way. Um, and especially, you know, we're in the healthcare industry. I knew, I know quite a bit of people in the healthcare industry, but it, that is so not the case. Well, here's, here's the problem with the mindset of trainers when they're going through either a self-study or in-person prep course is that they get, just flooded with information. It's like information overload. And then by the time they're done and they actually pass their exam, it's like, I passed. Now I have the privilege to train, Yep. you know, and that's a mindset that I try to teach my trainers that I, that I work with that you need to be able to rid yourself of that because you're not obligated to get a client from our facility. If you didn't do any hustle for it. There you go. So that's how most commercial gyms work. So if you yeah. go to work for like a 24 hour fitness or an anytime fitness that they'll hire you, you'll work probably part-time uh, minimum wage work on the floor and you have to actually search for your own clients. And to some extent it's like pestering people while they're working out, just regular members yeah. to be able to say, Hey, work with me as a trainer, pay more money. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough thing to do. Sure. You know, it's, it's very difficult, but that's also part of the hustle. If you can sell yourself to somebody in person and actually convince them to to work with you as their trainer and their fitness expert, then that's where you're going to have some success. But it's not the only way. Yep. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, business cards, sort of your initial investment, stuff like that. Have you seen, have you experienced spending too much money on stuff that might not have been as necessary, such as I got this software that helps me with this and all of the stuff that is in the world of, of fitness that you can buy as a personal trainer. Yeah. Back in 2013 was uh, the first time that I built a website. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So when I did that, I dropped probably close somewhere in the ballpark of like five or $600 into the yeah. website. Yep. You know, this was to establish a domain name where people could find, find me easily. And then there was all these other associated costs that you don't think about. That's you right. Know? Um, little widgets that you could put on your website to be able to say, here's a bookings page, yep. um, a link to PayPal so people can pay online. Um, there's this thing called SEO, which is to be able to make your website visible on yep. Google when they type in fitness pros near me. Yep. You know, those are things that people have no idea about when they're first starting out. Like I'll tell you right now that it's not something they teach in the curriculum. No, it should be. Oh my gosh. You're hundred percent right. And I've seen, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen people spend next to nothing and make it work, but their growth is fairly limited. Um, I'm thinking of a trainer, older guy, very, very, I think he was in his 60s at a gym I was at at one point, just, you know, didn't really want some of the technology, he only accepted cash, which that was his thing. A lot of his clients he had been with for years, he wasn't really trying to, to grow exponentially or anything like that, but it was very obvious that there was a limitation he was going to have because of that. And then I know other people that have, and myself, I definitely have honed back the amount of spending that I needed per month, you know, for the business itself. Um, I've seen it go both ways. So yeah, 
Yeah, that, I think that's a tough balance. You know, I'll t I'll tell you this. It, it, one of the most unnecessary expenses that you can do is probably the online stuff, unless you're trying to be an online trainer and that's sure. your bread and butter. Like yeah. you're going to try and be one of these influencer type people that are trying to um, spread your word and your service online. Yeah. Then it's probably more worth it to invest a little bit more money into that. But if you're just trying to serve your local populace. Yeah don't spend that much money. You yeah. can make a very simple website. You can get very easy business cards that you can pass out, spend more money on the, on the paper things, the physical, tangible things that you can hand people. Um, and then from there, you probably might want to invest in some like smaller exercise equipment that you can bring with you to and from places. Um, if you're making house calls, sometimes that's a service that you can give to people, yep. but you know, it, it all depends on what your goal is. Absolutely. That, that vision that you have. Word of mouth, you're 100% right. I agree with you. And now, that if, if you are somebody, actually, this applies to everybody, honestly, whether you're online or in person. Um, my, my current method of, of private training is uh, local. So in my city, I only work within the city limits of where I'm at in Florida. So I want to make sure that I'm being able to serve that population, that population, only because that's where I have the most success. Yeah. I do have some online content that I can give out, but it's not a lot because that's not my goal. Right. Right. I have multiple streams of income when it comes to the private training and my day job that I do. That is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so being able to, to do that, there's, there's a generosity piece that comes with it. And that's point number six. Yep. All right. So if it's free, it's for me. That's most people's motto when yep. it comes to things and, receiving free things. So one of the biggest recommendations that I can make to any new trainer is make the initial consultation and the first training session for free. Sure. All right. Think about it when you're going to purchase a car, right? You don't go to a car dealership and be like, all right, I'll take this one. And yep. that's it. You got to test drive it first, right? Yep. The same thing goes when you're working with a personal trainer, you want to be able to experience what it's like to work with that individual before you make the informed judgment of saying, okay, I'm going to invest my money into this person. Yep. A thousand percent. I think you're totally right. This is something that I got wrong. Um, you know, I was in this mindset of like, I need to value my time, which is correct. Um, but I couldn't find that balance. Uh, I, and I, I went on both sides of the spectrum where I would just sort of offer things completely for free. Like I'll just train you for free. No big deal. And then I went the opposite way where I was like, I'm charging everybody no matter what at the start. Um, it's taken a long time to find the right cadence for that. So you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. If, if there's a strategy I can give anybody for that, the, the easiest way to do it is don't display any prices up front. Okay. Sure. Do the initial consultation, find out what the person's looking to achieve, have the first session and then display what you're going to charge people. Yeah. The, the glory about private training is that you can match the economy of where you're living. Yeah. Okay. If you live in a low economy area, you can't charge them a high price. You're not going to get any customers. Yeah. If you live in a high economy area and you want to work with doctors and lawyers and so on and so forth, you can charge top dollar if you want to. And, but it'll be a little bit harder to get those services unless you're, you're really good at getting yourself out in front of them. Wild guess that you struggled with this at one point in your career, probably early on. Absolutely. So this is along the same lines, but speaking to charging what you're worth, how have you figured that part out? Because that is across the board, I've found difficult for a lot of business owners, not even just personal trainers. Yeah, it. The, the hardest thing for me is figuring out what that dollar amount is, because if I were to look at my experience and my education and my skills and I were to do all the math and division on how much I spent on my own stuff, yep. people would be paying $1,000 a session. Absolutely. But like, but it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, you got to be really realistic. And I decided to take a route where it's going to be a long-term return on investment. There you go. You know, that's part of where the five-year plan comes into play is like, by this time, I will be paid off for whatever I invested into myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you went into investing in those, I would hope you go into investing yourself um, with those different credentials and, and pieces of or education with the funds in mind. You don't go into debt doing it. People do that incorrectly, like with student loans for all the time. It's terrible. Yep. You know, what you just said to me uh, screams perspective. You know, you could look at it as, well, no, like they're going to pay me this. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're truly trying to do this and truly trying to affect people, yes, you you have to make your time valuable, but at the same time, you have to 
I mean, what are you getting into here? What is your what is your sole purpose of doing this? And I think that's what you sort of touched on barely about, you know, the influencer or the the trainer. You know, which one are you? Yeah. I could get into a whole I know you can. I can get to a whole <laughs> story about that if I wanted to. You know? I know you can. There there's a value in in coaching versus being yeah. an online social influencer. And and the the one thing I'll urge everybody to do is do some fact checking. You know, if, if Joe Schmo on Instagram is saying that he is a fitness expert and he's posting all these workout videos or Susie Lou is, is doing some squat exercises and, and posting videos and whatnot, make sure you find out if these people are credible, Yep. you know, they got their physique for probably genetic purposes and maybe a little bit of work towards it, but it probably wasn't a lot of hard work to be honest. You know, it's, it's, it's few and far in between. I've always felt that, you know, if your Instagram page, and this is no shade to anybody that's doing it because, hey, everybody's out there trying to make a living, but it's not my style. Um, if if your Instagram page or your whatever page is mainly you shirtless, that might be an indication that that might not be your person. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but it's right. just not been, my sty- not been my style. Not to say that I don't have any shirtless selfies out there. They're there, but it's, sure. not, it's not been the driving force, you know. Now, now in, in regards to that, I won't say it's completely wrong because there is a right person for that. Sure. But is that the person that you want to work with? There you go. I think that's the ultimate question. You know, that's where, where people got to be able to kind of like filter through all the garbage that's out there because there's a lot of um, misconceptions in, in the fitness industry. It's, it's so heavily saturated that yeah. it, it's hard to be a fitness professional these days. It's hard to be one that stands out that is um, not as clickbaity. Yes. Right. Yep. A thousand percent. But again, yeah. you and, and like, like you can go ahead and you can look at like any of my social media pages. I've actually done a, a really good job of getting rid of a lot of them. Like I'm not on Snapchat. <laughs> I'm barely on Facebook. Really? Um, I, I don't have a Twitter. Okay. You know, I, I try to be as minimalistic as possible, but I know Instagram is essential for being a personal trainer because yeah. people want to see what type of content you're posting. So. Right. I don't feed into it completely, but you look at my page, I have less than a thousand followers. Yeah. I don't care about the people that are like tens, twelve, hundred thousand followers, million followers. Like, great for you. You're getting a, a lot of people to look at your stuff. And at some point, I do know Instagram monetizes their stuff and pays people for it, but that's right. not my long standing goal. And that's, I want to be able to go yeah. for it. Yeah, no, that, that, go ahead. I cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to say that's not my long term goal because. You know, the content I do put on there are for the people that do follow me. You know, those are mostly friends and close family members or family members and close friends that um, really value the work that I do. Yep. You know, it's it's not my driving force. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, it's, it's just primary to your goal as to why your Instagram page looks the way it does. Right. Thousand percent. The next piece on here actually is really important for people who want to kind of stay away from this like cliche influencer piece because this is something that influencers don't have the ability to do um so tip number seven is connection um and and this big piece is all about referrals right if you're a local trainer and you work in a local area and you want to dominate your local presence you have to be able to make sure that you network with the correct people so for example state of florida very strict scope of practice on all things healthcare, all things fitness eastern medicine you name it so as a personal trainer, you are somebody who can prescribe exercise, period. That's it. Yep. Um, if you want to be able to prescribe nutrition, you need to have somebody in your network who is a registered dietitian. Yep. Right. It, so and it's then, in your best, it's in your best interest to find somebody. I think that, that that point is so overlooked and misunderstood by even the general population, which I think it, you know, it makes sense as to why it's not. But when you say prescribe nutrition, what does that mean to the common person that does not understand? Right. So the, the common thing that pops in the head first is meal plans, right? Structured time of day to eat, yep. what to eat, How amounts much? to eat, serving sizes. Yep. Um, now, this is a little bit different than going onto a website and finding a recipe. Recipes yep. are great because that's for one individual type of food. Yep. Right. And it's mostly for something that is meant to be a meal and it has multiple servings to it. Yep. But if you're making it individual, to the person who you are working with, then that is prescribing nutrition. Yep, exactly. Uh, that's it. Okay. Yep. 
And, and in specific states, the reason why that exists is because the, the profession of being a registered dietitian is something that needs to be protected. It's protected by our government, right? Yep. So technically, if you're a personal trainer in the state of Florida and you're giving out meal plans and you're giving people shopping lists to go purchase and uh, specific serving sizes and whatnot, you are breaking the law, yep. right? Um, so there's a, there's an ethical and a moral piece that comes to it too. So what that, that kind of falls into your character. Like what type of person are you going to be as a personal trainer? Are you going to try and cut corners or are you going to build your referral network and be able to strengthen your service by saying, Hey, because you're working with me, this dietitian will give you a discount on his or her services. Yep. If you go and work with them, yep. that's how you can structure it. Because if you make these relationships, it's not like, Oh, you'll send me to them for their retail prices. Usually there's some sort of discount that comes in line with that. Yeah. Doing, doing it the right way with those connections. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, other people that you can be uh, in your referral network would be a massage therapist, you know, mm -hmm. especially if you're working with people who are doing a high intensity exercise that are very often sore. There's a lot of benefit that comes from doing sports massage with somebody who has those skills. Um, this is going a little bit further into Eastern medicine, but it might be good to have an acupuncturist in your corner. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know personally a whole lot about it, but that's the purpose of having that person in your referral network because that could be a resource that you can help somebody um, who may be experiencing some sort of either uncomfortable uh, pains or tangles and whatnot that could be helping from that type of art. Yep. I will tell you that it's it's always been sort of a in the back of my head long-term goal kind of thing of developing – this like almost well care center where you find this personal trainer that works with the registered dietitian. And I don't even know if it's brick and mortar, to be honest with you. I don't even know if that would make sense, but there's always just been that. I really wish that there was a place and I believe that there is, but I really wish there was a place where you could go to this place where there's a registered dietitian, there's a trainer, there's a physical therapist, there's an acupuncture, 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 I don't even know what this, the acupuncture, acupuncturist, yeah, uh, massage. There, just the whole plethora of, you know, based on what you got going on, this is what we would fully suggest. It's all in house. It's right here, or at least like, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not even describing that correctly, but that's always been in my head, and it sounds like what you're explaining that network. But I just always thought that would be cool for such a, a brick and mortar. Like, you go here's the information, and then you go from there. But Anyway, that's un, un, it. Sound, it sounds like the mecca of health. Uh, that's it, yeah, exactly. Now, will that work from a uh, financial, political? It's way bigger. It's way bigger than I can comprehend. But in my magical world, that's what's. <laughs> there'd be a bunch of those everywhere. Yeah, in the in the healthcare industry and in big pharma and all that stuff, it's it tough. probably won't be able to happen in this country. It's tough. Unfortunately, it's it's especially when you start mixing in people who need to use their insurance and whatnot. Exactly. It gets a lot more tangled up into the weeds. It's tough. It's tough. But in my head, it makes total sense. There's, you know, behavioral cha behavioral change specialists and uh, social worker. I mean, just I, in my head, it's way down the line. But um, yeah. Anyway. Another Matt's ADD right. moment. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. One final point to that connection piece is that um, a really, really important avenue that trainers can uh, navigate is what's called an independent contract. So maybe not so much at commercial gyms, but at small fitness studios and places that have a um, a space where you can bring clients. You can actually contract with the owners to be able to say, Hey, I want to bring my clients to your space because I'm a private trainer and I don't have equipment. Yeah. So it's in some cases you may be able to pay what's called rent to the house and the owner will have some sort of dollar amount that you have to give them on a monthly basis that will allow you to have access to their facility where your client doesn't have to purchase a membership um, and you get to train free. Yep. Basically. Yep. So, and then also it gives you another place to work out for yourself as well. If that's in the contract. Yep. Exactly. Those are tough. Those are tougher to find, but that is a, a magical thing. Very, very beneficial. Yep. Um, so this moves into our next piece. So, um, number eight is position and that is to be able to identify where you match up against all your local competitors. So be able to really analyze what the, population of your city or town looks like in terms of fitness professionals are you the only one are you competing against hundreds of people you know in a city like atlanta georgia you know you're going to have 
probably thousands of trainers and fitness professionals that yeah. are trying to provide people services, right? You know, whereas, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a small town somewhere. Pensacola? Um, Pensacola, Florida, <laughs> sure. You know, there, there may be more like 100 trainers there yeah, right, right. that might be trying to find services, maybe a little more. Yeah. But, you know, figure out what that position is and how you match up with the rest of the competition. Because, you know, if it's in a very competitive environment, you're going to have to do some very creative things to be able to get your face in front of the audience that yep. you're trying to serve. Yep. A thousand percent correct. Yep. I agree with you. And this actually pairs very nicely with number nine, which is character. So this is how you are portraying yourself in the fitness industry. So are you just advertising that you are Joe Schmo, Mr. Personal Trainer? Or are you Corey Bennett, private fitness coach, serving this population that has a special need? Yeah. Yeah. It's, right? it's, it's so much more inviting the second way you put that. You know, figure out who is going to be your client, right? And that goes back to our very, very first and second point there. You know, identify what it is that you want to do with this fitness certification. Because then if you try and spread yourself too thin with the clients that you um, have already had experience with, you know, the jack of all trades route is probably not the best route still. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've already gotten on the influencer track, so we'll, we'll get off that real quick. <laughs> and this, this, moves, this moves finally into our, our final point, marketing. Um, this conversation is probably one of the most important pieces when it comes to this topic of being a new personal trainer is how you market yourself. Okay. Probably the single most important piece to the entire puzzle because of the fact that if you don't do it, you're going to get no exposure. Yep. It right. It, it can make or break how successful you are in being able to attract people to you. Right. So I'll use one of my very first experiences with doing some very successful marketing, right? I lived in a apartment complex in grad school that had a clubhouse with its own gym, right? And the property managers would do a lot of email communication with the residents, right? One day it just popped into my head. I don't know why. I was probably living there for already a year and a half at this point. You know, I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner, but I went and talked to the property manager. I said, hey, would you mind putting this PDF flyer out in an email to our um, residents? And I'll give you a little blurb to put in there and advertise my fitness services. I'd be happy to train anybody who wants to explore my services within our own co apartment complex at the benefit of them. And because they're a resident, I'll give them X discount, you know, because she didn't know my, my prices right off the bat. So right. I could be able to put whatever number I wanted on that and just say that there was a discount attached to it. Sure. You know, through that, I got about probably half a dozen clients within the first month of that email going out, and it climbed to probably about 12 to 15 people that I ended up working with throughout the remainder of my time in that apartment complex. That's awesome. Wow. You know, a very, very, very simple strategy that any trainer living in an apartment could do. Yeah. You know, if you own your own home, on the other hand, now this is where it gets really, really interesting. If you're like me, my dream, I'm still living in an apartment to this day. Um, but when I do own my own home, you bet your butt there's going to be a garage space there. I've right? I've contemplated this so many times. I really have. There, if it's not a garage space, it's going to be an empty bedroom, something with a little bit of fitness equipment. It doesn't have to be like a CrossFit studio or anything like that. Right. But, you know, it's going to have the essentials, you know, maybe a kettlebell, maybe a barbell, maybe some slam balls or medicine balls, things of that nature, and then a whole bunch of resistance bands. Because in my mind, those are the things that I would need to be successful in training any type of client that comes in my door. Yeah. Right. You know, maybe I'll have some extra things for me as a competitive powerlifter. I'll have some heavy weights and whatnot, but you know, it, it'll it'll only fit the population that I'm trying to serve. Because this way, you get out of the the fact of being under the liability of like whatever place you're working in, whether it's independently contracted or your apartment complex, which was in my case when I was in grad school. You know, and then you get to use your own insurance in your own living space, and clients come to you, and it's most convenient for you in the business that you're trying to create. Yep. I will tell you that this has been, this marketing piece has been probably, it's probably been, it's it hasn't been a problem, but it has been the biggest thing that I've been working on since the inception of it and attempting to get better at it every single year, every single month, every single day. It's always been just the focus. And, you know, 
with everything that we're doing with this podcast, with the YouTube channel for this podcast, for the Matt Lane Fitness YouTube channel, uh, for the website, for the Instagram, for the all of the every of the things. I have I have come to the point where I realize that I actually need to start doing more marketing. My my sole intention with all of this was to put out value, to put out. I feel like we do two, two different t- types of content: things that we know, things that we've learned, and then things that we are learning. So a documentation piece. And um, my intention was just to put all this out, to put out what we knew, value, um, and at in time that would. You know, there would be an ROI with that, um, but I know that there has to be an active piece while still putting out this content, you know, while still putting out this value. You have to actively ask, you know, you have to market. If there's one underutilized thing that people who run a business, whether it's a personal trainer or a podcast host or like a general business owner, you know, the, the use of social media has become less of a social thing and more of a tool. Yeah. You know, and the the fact that you can create a business page on any social media platform and be able to boost post it, posts, yeah. you know, it gets your your content on more people's eyes. So yes, there there's a financial component that comes into it. You invest a little bit of money, and then it exposes itself to different uh, a different amount or a higher amount of followers, or, or or expands your reach is what they call it. Yeah, um, it's worth it if you have the funds to do it. You know, I personally in my personal training practice. I have no need to do that because the reach, I can only handle right. so many clients. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But in, in a case like you where you guys are trying to promote your, your business and your, your, your message and your value, yeah. you know, definitely something worth looking at. Yeah. And, and another, another crazy thing that I learned about within the past year um, is the concept of copywriting. Have you ever heard of this writing copy? Oh no, writing copy. I thought you meant copyright claims and stuff like that. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's copywriting claims, which is what's most commonly misperceptive mis- yeah. as, but there's what's called writing copy. All right. It's what advertisers do when they are creating a message to be able to produce or promote a service, right? So if you think about like the companies that um, are marketing McDonald's and Coca-Cola and Subway and you name it, any type of, of service that's like Fortune 500, they have advertising companies that are working for, that they employ that are writing copy. And copy is the term for the messaging that they put behind their brand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and strategically using different types of vocabulary to be able to draw people in. Yep. And and I've seen very minor tweaks. I, I don't know too much about it, but I've made very minor tweaks into the messages that I put out. And you see almost like, a double, triple, and sometimes tenfold response in the type of content that you put out. There's tons of books on it. I highly, highly, highly recommend um, looking into it. Writing copy, copywriting, not for copywriting claims or like patents or anything right. like that. I think the words that you choose are so, I mean, that's so at my heart. The words that you choose, whether it's on a podcast, in person, on paper, whatever, it is so pivotal. It is so pivotal. Um, when it comes to that marketing piece. And I like when I say that, it almost sounds like I'm saying you need to be phony. That's not the, that's not it at all. It's you need to choose the correct words that sort of portrays your values. It sort of portrays what you're putting out, what the services are. And, you know, I fully agree with that. Yes, 100%. You got to be strategic. You got to yep. be strategic with how it conveys your mission, vision, values, the very cliche mission, vision, values of all companies and businesses and and causes, you know, if you really live by your mission statement, your vision of what you want to accomplish and the values that you have for your company, and you can attach a message to that, yep, that's going to resonate with the people that you're trying to reach. Yep. A thousand percent. Well, that's a lot of knowledge, brother. That was a lot so of much. knowledge. So, all right. So, t- t- so tell me about this entire thing that you've just run through. It has, has this been accepted yet? Or are you... Is this it's, pen, it's it's pending approval right now. That's awesome. Um, it is most likely going to be accepted because I was actually just tipped off that there's only one power hour session that has been submitted and it was mine. So awesome. it's, it's most likely that it will be, which is great. Um, they, they only do so many. It's it's like a, a coffee hour talk. So okay. it's like 8 a.m. in the morning. It's on like the Wednesday of the conference. And uh, I'll be able to kind of like sit people around the campfire a little bit and, and talk with them in, a, in an open concept forum. You know, so so we'll run through it the same way that we just did, yeah. but it's going to be open discussion. It's going to allow people to chime in and ask questions or awesome. provide insight to what they're doing because that's the way that I want it to run. It's it's going to be a seventy five minute session. 
awesome dude I'm, I'm so happy for you like it's i'm not surprised but i'm still impressed like uh like i'm i'm happy for you that's fantastic and whenever this does get approved whenever this does you know i want you to let me know we'll go back and we'll i don't know if you'll have video audio of you actually doing it but i think it'd be cool to sort of plug those pieces and of course down in the description below we're going to include all of uh Corey's information where you can find him all the stuff i don't know if you have like more things to like in, in the previous podcast, I don't know if you have more social media pieces or anything that we can plug, but we'll plug them all. Well, I got my email address. I got my Instagram handle, The Benefit Project. Awesome. Um, I do have a, I do own my domain name now, but my website is not attached to it yet. So okay. I'll send you the actual web address to cool. do it for now. Um, and then we'll go from there. If anybody has any questions or anything like that, if it needs some uh, guidance on like what you want to do with personal training, please feel free. Um, if you are a personal trainer that's looking for continuing education, highly consider going to the NASM Optima conference. Um, I will be there in attendance and hopefully presenting more than one topic. Um, I, I put forward six presentation proposals and this was only one of them. So <laughs> we're, 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 we're hoping, we're hoping that a couple of them will get approved. Good for you, man. That's awesome. And again, that's, this is your, your furthering yourself is another one of the huge reasons I respect you. So, I mean, this was awesome. Thank you for being on. Um, I can't say this will be the last time we ever have you on. Uh, I can see it happening I look again. forward to the next time. We, we truly, truly appreciate it. Anything else you want to say in closing? No, no, I think we covered it all today. You know, till next time is, is the only thing I'm going to close on. Awesome. Babe, you got anything to wrap up with over there? No, it's a ton of good information. Yeah. I mean, I sat here and literally just wrote a whole page of notes. <laughs> At times, Jenna will sort of take a back seat whenever we have a guest on and whenever, like, I'm deep in conversation with the person. At times, she'll just sit back and just sort of listen, um, which I love it. That's awesome. You're fantastic, man. I will talk to you soon, and guys, we'll talk to you next week. This has been the Better Than Yesterday Everyday Podcast. We want to thank you for listening and invite you to subscribe to the show as well and follow Matt Lane Fitness on YouTube. Until next time, you don't have to be perfect. Just be better than yesterday every day.